0: Welcome to Four Color Nerds Comic Book Reviews. This is episode 97. I'm Christina, and I'm joined by some other nerds. Ryan. Hello. And Matt. Konnichiwa. Chris is attending a family gathering where her parents accidentally reveal their superpowers, and what could go wrong? Uh, that means she's Gert, right? Yeah, so, pretty much. So Gert, all right. <laughs> Oh, <She's>, God, no.
1: <laughs> so she's literally, like, she's hanging out with some old friends.
0: She's taken her cosplay a little it's far. Just real now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, her parents...
1: Are like are like with with their friends, and <laughs> she's gonna wander through, and they're like they're gonna be stabbing some teenager they kidnapped.
0: Crazy shit just. <laughs> she'll happens. get
1: back to us, and she'll be like, guys. You have no idea what just happened. <laughs> you are not gonna believe this. Good news, I have a dinosaur pet. That
0: would be awesome. All right, we read a variety of comics together who discuss them, as well as anything else that's popped up in the comics world. There is a chance of spoilers, so if you're worried about them, take a break now. Go read your pool list, and then come on back. We'll be reviewing the Batman Who Laughs, number one
2: guardians of the galaxy number 147 dr strange number 381 peter parker the spectacular spider-man number 297
0: jenny flynn number one
1: the mighty thor number 701
0: and
2: batman number 35
0: on pull past or complain on the internet we've got champions 14 dark fang one brilliant trash one respite and the voice of the dragon one and the Punisher 218. Stop the presses. This just in, news from the bullpen. Matt.
1: Hello! This week's news, and I'm... I, I See, I, I want to say what I, is on my mind about this one, but I'm not going to in case I ever get the opportunity to actually be a professional in the comic book industry. But I, I, I'll just say the nice way, Alex Alonzo is out. He's no longer the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. It is passed down to C.B. sub Fucking names! C.B. Sibulski. Who... I, and I've been trying to... I've like, racking my brain all weekend long. I've heard his name before, but...
2: He's he, kind of new at Marvel within the last couple of years. He's, like, the head of, like, Asian marketing for Marvel.
1: Well, he was, he was the basically the guy who found new people, at least as of 2013, for Marvel. So, he... Basically, you would send in all of your, like, new art and whatnot, or the writers would send in their examples of stuff that they've written, and he would be the guy that would say, yeah, we'll give you a job, or no, we won't give you a job, and then you would get handed off to one of the actual line editors so he's he's been doing editing for a while i i mean i know what he's been doing, but I could have sworn we've talked about him before. That's what I've been racking my brain about. He's, there's a, like a couple videos, there's one where it's like, hey, I want to get started at Marvel, what do I need to do? And he actually gives this little kind of short speech about how to do it and all that. He seems like a pretty cool guy. Hopefully, he's, he's much better at relaying information and building up hype without actually lying and telling you that this isn't what's going to happen when it's exactly what's going to fucking happen. <laughs> just saying. Not to say anything negative about Alex Alonzo, just... Saying
0: Just saying. Uh, Apparently, he was named one of the best tweeters in comics. Maybe that's where I saw him before.
2: That's why he's the marketing guy. I mean, there's a lot to keep in line with Marvel. You got to keep your movies in line. You got to keep all your comic books in line. You got to coordinate your events that match up with your movies. There's a lot to do.
1: But so the the editor-in-chief and I think that the job that he had previously, that's literally just on the comic book line. So there's different people who are in charge of the other basically segments of the company who do the marketing shit over there
2: if you believe that the comic book line doesn't answer to the movie and tv line you're out of your mind uh. i don't
1: think that they answer to the movie and tv line i think all of them answer over to the same people because the movie and tv line fight each other remember how back when shield like agents of shield first came out it was like this is all one big world and this is all great and all that somewhere past that it fucking split off and the tv people and the movie people are like bickering siblings basically like they're they're disney's like literally been saying kind of lately look you two fucking need to get along <laughs> or one of you's going and it ain't you movies
2: i'll bow down to the mouse god i guess <laughs> seriously
1: so all three of them you know bow down to the mouse god and i just wish ike Pullmatter would also fucking leave so i don't think that the t- the comics bow to the movies i think it's just the people who are in charge of all three that like the movies are Marsha, basically <laughs> <laughs> So they basically, so the comics are like, Marcia, 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 Marsha <laughs> So yeah, definitely they end up following after the movies because the movies make way more money. <laughs> but I don't think that I don't think that he necessarily is in charge of having to do the other things. He just has to keep in touch with all the other people.
0: Got to be the go-between, well, probably yeah. a little bit. Interesting fun fact: he also has some editing and writing highlights on Runaways, the original by Brian Bon.
1: That might have been worse. Oh,
0: yeah. interesting. He also recruited a bunch of people that some we love, like Scotty Young, Jonathan Hickman, Bill Noto, Yep. so Sarah Pacelli. Oh, well, that's a good eye for talent. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I didn't know nothing, or I knew nothing, and now go to knowing a lot of things.
1: Many, many things. So many things. Uh, hopefully we have a, a bright future ahead of us with the Marvel comic books.
0: Yay. Yay. All right. So every episode, one of us picks our favorite book, and that's our pick a week. This week, I am that nerd, and my pick goes to the Batman Who Laughs, number one. My companion song is Make Me Laugh by Anthrax, because A, it's metal, B, it's laughing, and there's fucking laughing in it, and C, there's a, another nod to the Joker in here, which is pretty freaking cool. So, let's take a listen.
2: Oh, the killing joke reference? Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. That better be in the, the part that you play.
1: And also, like Scott Ian is like a huge comic book nerd, so it works really well with the comic books and the music and the nerds and the stuff.
0: Well, the line about the the killing joke, the killing joke, is the one that actually really got me because I was He's like, "He's probably where it came from." I kind of... Well, I don't know. I don't know when the song came out. It came out. Maybe they're all nerds. Most, I don't know. We're all nerds. Let's listen. All right. Oh, the Batman Who Laughs, number one, DC Comics, written by James Tinian, fourth, pencils and inks by Riley Rossimo, colors by Ivan Placentia. So this, to me, is literally the, what they call the darkest of darkest timelines. My favorite part of this, and I I kind of already mentioned this, Ryan, it, it reminds me of the old The Batman the Animated Series, about the Joker kind of talking and kind of introducing the whole story. Um, and if you read this, I would definitely try to read it in Mark Hamill's Joker voice because that 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 is my Joker and that is a voice that I will always, always take to heart. Um, so I highly recommend if you are not familiar with that, you should watch that and then immediately read this because that voice is the perfect voice. So this is the Joker has captured Batman. He goes through some very graphic details of uh, basically melting Gordon but he's got him tied up. Batman really can't talk. He's got he's got something in his mouth, and it's the it's the age old story of the shooting of the parents. He's got a lineup of people coming back from the theater, or so he says, and so he's taking Bruce down uh, memory lane, and he shoots some parents right in front of him, of the very you know young girl, cute little red-headed girl who is literally freaked the fuck out, and it's very graphic where he, they're just right right to the head, no. No nice death, just straight straight to the head. He's got the little girl, and he's holding her, and he's like, oh, you know, kind of like, congratulations, you're the first citizen of the New Gotham. And there's the panel where it's got this weird, like, fractured bat-joker face in it, and her, her face also starts turning into a joker face. And then you see the line proceeding of all of these people, all these families coming down with, like, their children, and he's just... Just executing them one by one by one. And Batman is still, like, trying to get get free and wriggle out. And he finally wriggles out. And he basically is, you know, yelling at him to stop and stop and stop. And he's beating the shit out of him. He finally gets him to a choking point. And I'm not exactly sure what the intention was. And it... Because he doesn't... I don't think he actually kills him. I think the Joker expires, basically.
2: I think he snaps his neck.
0: I'm not sure. It looks like he, I mean, he's obviously got him in a chokehold, but I don't, uh, maybe he does, maybe he does choke him, snaps his neck, because it does look like there's a bone pushing out a little bit.
1: He says later that he expired inside, but that was after Bruce had gone fucking insane. Yeah. But the background on the scene where he dies, where where the Joker dies, he's got his arm around him and you just, the, the. Right behind them mm-hmm. is the word crack. Ah. So that's actually a tooth flying. He snaps his he neck. He does
0: snap his neck.
2: Yeah, it's like uh, all those classic Batman stories where Batman has the decision to kill the Joker or not. Mm-hmm. And this is the one where he makes the...
0: He takes it. And they, he talks about a little bit. The Joker talks about like how you won't kill... Well, no. <laughs> does this time. Okay, there we go. All right, so a couple days later, he's talking to uh, Superman... With all of these fuck, he's got, like, all these fucked up Joker children now running around, and he's basically trying to treat them, take care of them, and Superman, which I don't like the look of the Superman at all, because he's got the super cheesy little curl, like, very accentuated. Not not a fan of that. He's very, like, classic, like, 50s yeah. Superman in here. I don't know. I'm not not a fan of that. He's telling them, he, they try to try to take him to, like, a psychologist, and then, the kid ripped his throat out and a very interesting ha comes out of Batman, which is like, Oh, that's awkward. Sorry. That wasn't funny. So that was a little, little foreshadowing there of the story. Later than that, he's got all the, the bat family. They're in their fighting room. They're doing their fighting protocol and they're like, shit, this is really, this is really hard. This is kind of fucked up. This is, this is not what we expected. So Batman is actually talking to them after that. And he's telling them, Basically, what happened, you know, as soon as he he died, you know, he died. This the toxin was released out, which we saw in the in the screen, you know, the previous panel with the Joker dying. That it, like this, it was like the Joker gas that came out of him, and it looks like it's infected him. And he's, you know, he's talking to them, and he's like, you know, I have kind of training you, and is like, no, not not really. You know, we're here to help you. It's like, no, you, you can't really help me. And then the next fucking panel is just fucking, he's now Joker Bat. He fucking caps every single person in that room. Robin, Nightwing, Barbara, I don't know. I, to...
2: I like that scene because... So nasty. It's so brutal when he <laughs> shoots them. And he says he does the one thing they would never expect, yeah. which is use a gun.
0: Uh, yeah. It just, yeah. It was... That was a brutal fucking picture. I was like, holy shit, fuck. The next one is even fucking worse with Superman fucks his shit up. So I don't know what black kryptonite. I don't obviously read a lot of
2: <laughs> let me chime in here with my nerd credentials. Yeah, would you? Please- <laughs> so black kryptonite separates the good and evil of a person of a Kryptonian mm-hmm. into two forms. So this modified Black Kryptonite, I think, is what turns Clark and John, it brings out like their dark side and they turn on Lois and that's really brutal.
0: That was super fucked up. And then Joker Bat was also mentioning to him about what happened with Supergirl where she killed her whole family. <laughs> and let's not forget while he's
2: doing this, John and Superman, their eyes are blood red yes, and they're dripping bleeding. blood out. They're yeah. bleeding.
0: Horrifying. This is so awful. <laughs> And, like, like the
2: Justice League is like lying on the floor with like rib cages ripped out of people and
0: oh yeah it's it's a real bad scene. Wonder Woman is dead. You're like what the fuck? And then oh what is that Martian Manhunter is like has expl- almost like exploded and then his head. My favorite I think was that's r- Red Tornado. Okay, my favorite was Plastic no. Man.
1: No Martian Manhunter's in the background. Yeah. and he's all all splattered all over the place.
0: It's the head that's the head that's like flat against the wall and his body is on the ground. Yeah, that
1: ribcage is from Red Tornado. And then Wonder Woman's choked out by her own lasso. Flash is choked out by Plastic Man.
0: Yeah, the Plastic Man on the top of his face dripping down. Yeah, it's very graphic.
1: (laughs) Somebody's ripped in half. I don't know who that is because it looks like Superman. Who is that? Oh, maybe that's Adam. He's got red boots. Oh, and there's
0: Hawkman in the background, I think, too, upside down. Oh, yeah, Yeah. he's
1: choking out in space. Yeah. Oh, and somebody else.
0: There's all these fun things that you... (laughs) That you see in the oh, panel. Oh, that's
1: Orion. There's Orion there too, which is stupid because he doesn't need to breathe, but
2: okay. Oh,
0: nice. I see it. Okay. In the background behind the word bubble. All kinds of little horrific jokes hidden through here. It's like a, a find, like the find the image in the picture. <laughs> find the fucked up dead person in the picture. <laughs> yeah. So very graphic. This is not for kids. No. <laughs> this, is a, this is very adult DC. This is not your nice, super cute little Superman and Batman stories. So after he's Batman has turned everybody and killed everybody, he's back into his world of horror, which is what we saw in the, the pre with all the the scary bat things, all the weird like the the big what's the big like giant bat?
2: Barbados. Yeah,
0: the one of the big giant is that the Barbados is the giant one?
1: That's Barbados. Okay.
0: Um, Don't
1: worry, it doesn't matter. I know it doesn't matter. It won't matter in a year. <laughs>
0: It probably won't, but for now, it's pretty fun. But we get back to, so in the very, very beginning of this, the Joker bat was actually laying out a deck of cards, and he was going through some awesome, like, you know, he had the Superman, he had Wonder Woman. I think he had one more, he had one more card. He also had the Joker card. But he's laying out these cards, and he's talking to this guy who's basically blindfolded, mummy-wrapped, He's got a chain around his neck, so he can't move. He can't speak either. And he's talking to him. and He's telling him about all these like horrors that are coming now from the, all the multiverse. And there's the panel with like all of these super like fucked up, almost like uh, amplified and they're like zombified ish in a way creatures that are now like coming. Is like every nightmare in the mer- the multiverse ever had is like they're they're here and they're ready to invade, waiting at his command. And it's like you see like. Wonder Woman looks kind of like a, a bat creature. I don't even know what half of these are. They're still so, some of them are so fucked up. You can't even tell. I think there's that Wonder Woman my Supergirl.
2: There's a couple different versions of Superman in there. Yeah. A couple of Wonder Woman. There's a Green Lantern. There's a, a
0: zombie. There's an Aquaman that looks like he's part lobster. Yeah. It's all kinds of fucked up. Yeah. These are all like horrible, horrible nightmares. The very last panel. Do we know who the guy is wrapped up? Am I missing an issue or something?
2: I d I don't know who that
1: is. You
0: don't know who it is? Okay.
1: I'm sure it'll matter the closer we get to That's this being over.
0: I know what I'm thinking. Yeah, man is He's
1: he's probably I mean the whole point of of metal is to give a reason for characters that haven't been introduced or reintroduced into the D C universe again in a while, so I'm sure he's one of those. It's maybe it's Ray Palmer or I don't, I don't know It's one of the challenges of the unknown could be a few people
2: well, I, th- I think metal is Scott Snyder using his popularity and power to essentially force the ending for the new 52 that he wanted into current DC continuity it's a
1: doomsday the doomsday clock yeah yeah doomsday. I still don't understand how they're overlapping since they extended metal out
0: are we sure they're overlapping
2: yes doomsday clock is next week
0: but is it a start over or is it part of DC metal
2: it's not part of DC metal
1: Doomsday Clock is uh, Dr. Manhattan and the Watchmen and all that shit coming into the DC universe. I have no idea how this is working. I literally think that this is DC going, okay, Scott, go ahead. Finish up what you're going to do. I kind of think so. I kind of think
0: so.
2: The way that I view it, and this is my personal opinion, is that this is almost like an Elseworlds DC story that's taking place. That it's Scott Snyder getting to tell his end of his story and the real dc stuff that's happening is going to be with doomsday clock yeah that's my opinion like like don't get me wrong metal is badass this
0: is like the alternate universe world of the multiverses like i don't think this will tie up into anything else i just think it's his fun like this is my like horror show that i get to to play out because i like that
2: to his credit he's been building this since the beginning of the new 52 you know he has built this elaborate mythos around Batman and all of these metals Mm -hmm. and the Joker and their immortality and, you know, these cycles that keep happening. So, I mean, kudos to him for having a vision. I kind of wish they had separated it maybe a little better, but...
1: I wish they would have just stuck Eltsworld in the front of it and I would have been okay with it. I like the main book. It's these (laughs) side books just fucking irk the fucking hell out of me. Oh,
0: this one's fun. This one's awesome, dude. I, I,
1: I don't like thrash metal, and this is just... Every issue with these like side books where it's like this is the Batman who's Superman, this is the Batman who's Aquaman, this is the Batman who's the Flash, this is the uh, they're just fuck.
0: It's Batman flashing
1: around. It's just I hate it. No, it's not Batman overload. And what's with the eye spikes? Oh,
0: I love that. It's it's horrifying. Why not? Yeah, you can't see. It's a design choice. <laughs> he maybe he doesn't like need it. to
2: see. When the Joker Batman or the the Batman who laughs goes on his rampage here. When he's killing these people, they're very personal ways that he kills them. And there's these little twists of detail that really just drive the dagger home. Like, where he's talking about where he kills Gordon and Barbara, you know, that's horrible. And when Superman rips Lois Lane apart, that's horrible. There's this one panel where there's a picture of the moon and the Batman Who Laughs draws this, like, smiley face uh, on the moon like on the window that's looking out at the moon from the Justice League Watchtower. This thing is just full of horror, and I love it.
1: It's the sun, but... <laughs> I fucking hate this. I hate his design. I don't like the fucking story. The art irks the fuck out of me. I've never liked Scott Snyder to begin with, so it might be part of the problem. Is oh, that, you
0: need to read Witches.
1: Oh, I don't like Scott Snyder. Witches I don't, is so I don't good, though. Like it, it, it might be that he followed up Grant Morrison, but...
0: I know. I'm gonna give it, uh... Four and a quarter, still warm pipes out of Gordon's mouth. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Give it your. You can give it shit stain if you'd like. I didn't take that.
1: Does it say shit stain?
0: No. It? <laughs> no. Oh, oh,
1: oh, okay. I'll give it, I'll give it .5 shit stain <laughs> uh, because that's what it looks like to me.
2: I will give this five bring on the next family. This book is oh. beautifully drawn, beautifully written. And horrific, so there's obviously a pretty wide gap here in opinion. So if you're listening, nerds, this would be a good time to write in or comment on what you think about this one. Hate it, love
0: it? I think we'd like to hear the creativity and the characters is unique. Even though that's probably the part that Matt doesn't like.
1: No, I like creativity and characters. This just seems like Scott Snyder getting really fucking shit faced and writing a comic book.
0: All right, well, Ryan, let's go over to Marvel.
2: All right, so on to Guardians of the Galaxy number 147 from Marvel Comics, Infinity Quest Part 1, Fortress, written by Jerry Duggan, Pencils and Inks by Marcus Toe, 2, I don't know how, Marcus two, colors by Ian Herring. So in the continuing adventures of the Novacore book, or I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, (laughs) we join our space misfits, screw-ups, and lovable rejects as they're trapped on a scene from aliens with Ultron robots trying to break in. It's up to Scott Lang to pull out his superpowers, size manipulation, and witty banter, and save the day. Sort of. Turns out the Novacore weren't all worthless cowards and traitors, and the ship that brought them here is back, waiting for them to make their escape. The hunt for those Novacore who are traitors leads Peter Quill to Richard Ryder, where Star-Lord solved the mystery of is it really Richard Rider with space-punching Star-Lord logic. Now best buds, they head to a mysterious planet with suspected traitors from the Nova Corps. After some tense investigation and battle where both sides think the others are traitors, they realize they're both loyal and team up for a big reveal and giant new twist in the search for the Infinity Stones. There were some things I liked about this one and some things I didn't. I thought the interactions between the Guardians was pretty good, I liked the kind of twist reveal at the end. I especially liked Rocket running around trying to gather information for his crimes that he's going to commit. I thought that was amusing, and he
0: looks so cute in his suit.
2: The thing I didn't like was basically that this is a Novacore book. We've said this time and time again. I don't give a fuck about the Novacore, no. and I wish they would get
0: it out of Guardians of the Galaxy. Stop trying to make Novacore happen, people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm fine. Go ahead and make Novacore happen. In its own book.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so those who want to read it, can do read it. It's fine. The last the last part, the last two pages are the funniest part to me.
2: Yeah, I don't want to reveal the, the big surprise. I yeah. think people should read that on their own. But it, I think it is going to be very important for the Marvel Universe because the too. Infinity Stones are going to matter.
0: I thought the artwork was really good in, in these panels. I like the um, the kind of muted color palette in some of them. I enjoy that. Kudos whoever did that. Yeah, I thought
2: the art was okay. I thought it was... Yeah, I didn't really have anything. Go ahead. Yeah, I didn't
1: especially, like, I, I didn't think it was a great book, but it it was a really good Nova book uh, because it had the Guardians guest starring. <laughs> I don't know why the cover says Guardians. Uh, You're like,
0: I am confused by this?
1: It was a competently done book. It wasn't bad at all, and it had a few funny quips. Mm-hmm but it wasn't super great at all. It wasn't what I expect out of a Guardians book.
2: This run seems like it's designed to move the plot forward. That's getting to the quest for the Infinity Stones, that they're they're going full speed ahead, and they're using the Guardians of the Galaxy to tell this story, but it's not a Guardians of the Galaxy story, which is disappointing.
1: They should be stealing the stones. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But what if I want it more than he does? (laughs) No. We got anything more for this one, or? yeah, it's the middle of the road. Yeah, I agree. I, it was all right. I mean, I did like some of the interactions between the Guardians, and it was a decent one. I just, like I said, don't want to read a Novacore book. So I will give it three. Hell no, I didn't send Quill alone. I sent him with one of your big
0: guns. <laughs> I will also give it three. Crap, my bad.
1: I also will give it three. I've got the elemental gun set to Gentle Lightning. Let's go.
0: <laughs> Gentle lightning.
1: <laughs> Gentle lightning is one of the, like, my favorite. I have an elemental gun, and I'm like, where's this setting? <laughs> I need to
2: find this. All right, over to New York. New York, New York.
1: Sorry. All right, New York with Doctor Strange, number 381, Marvel Comics. Loki, the Sorcerer Supreme, part one, written by Donny Cates. Pencils and inks by Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. And colors by Jordi Belair. It is Hernandez-Walta. Huh. Yeah. Shit. Okay. I was like, it doesn't sound right.
0: (laughs) Those are two names that don't seem to go together.
1: (laughs) Seriously. I thought it was Walter, and then I'm like, wait, no, what? (laughs) So we start off a new storyline in Media Res. Did you see that fancy word there? Yeah. With... A random visitor coming to the Sanctum For assistance of a magical nature Zelma meets the prospective client Slash patient at the front Where the Sanctum is floating about 15 feet off the ground She's able to help the man Who seems to have two ghosts haunting his eyes and Then we find through this dialogue That the source supreme job has gone on to another The god of lies, mischief, and stories Loki We then go through a visit to the bar with no doors To see how the other mystics are taking the news And quite a few excellent cameos I would love the background art in that scene Then a visit over with Thor. Lady Thor, Loki providing exposition on what his plans and jobs are—plans for the job, I should say—and what has now happened to the good doctor is kind of revealed towards the end of the book. All in all, I, I thought it was a fun book. Brian can finally stop complaining that they're doing, you know, holdover books to get over the, the
2: story. Yep, I'm real happy with this one.
1: <laughs> I, I was pretty happy with it. It was it was well written. It was fun. Uh, the only thing i didn't really enjoy was how they draw loki's face me
0: neither doesn't look like loki he looks odd and the like the five o'clock shadow that is like like little spikes kind of is weird i don't know it doesn't look why he doesn't why would he look like that i don't know
1: yeah the rest of it was good though it's just his face just bugged me the whole book
2: the bar with no doors is always such a fun location That's to best. visit. It's so fun.
0: It's like the coolest tiki bar ever. That's what it looks like to me.
1: Like, every time there's, like, a specialty bar in a comic, we're just like, I fucking love this.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> but seriously, the cameos, there's, like, there's the living mummy. Uh, there's that Rey Mysterio guy or whatever the hell his name is. There's the weird Russian wizard dude. The
2: guy there's, with the ghost biplane?
1: Yeah, brother, yeah, brother voodoo. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, what's the shaman, I think his name is, from Alpha Flight. There's the weird Russian guy from the BPRD books that's somehow also here.
0: <laughs> I don't think that's who he's <laughs> supposed to be, but you know. <laughs> I know, but still. You're like, he looks like him.
1: It's just, it's fantastic.
2: I really like it because not only does it look really good, Loki is a very entertaining character to read, and I don't have a good sense of him, which I think is really important when you're re- when you're writing low-keys. You never want anyone to know if he's good or bad, right? He's mm-hmm. all about mischief and deception. So here he kind of straddles that line where he has the power and the will to do what needs to be done. But he's also up to some shady shit, you know, that could go real bad. Yeah. So I
0: really like that kind of ambiguity.
1: He generally tries to keep everything kind of low-key.
2: yeah.
0: He's always got a uh-huh. he's got a plan, and he's just not gonna reveal it until the very end.
1: He also fit in the movie cloak. I think Carissa, who couldn't join us today, yeah. pointed this out on her Facebook feed, but he fit they basically fit in the movie cloak into the actual Marvel universe with the knitting everything back together again.
2: Yeah, I like that. That was actually kinda of sweet where he was talking about how he knitted the cloak mm-hmm. cloak back together.
1: Yeah. You know? I also love that he was walking texting. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I think this book explores the idea of the price of magic more. I like that they haven't dropped that idea, but, you know.
1: I do love that Loki's like, fuck the price of magic. I'll take it. I'm a god, bitch.
0: <laughs> do what I want. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this book very much. It was fun, but uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you, Matt. The face is distracting. It, there's, <laughs> it's weird because sometimes it looks right and then sometimes it looks wrong. I don't know.
1: And it's not badly drawn. It just doesn't look right for Loki. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. You don't want to talk about the reveal at the end?
1: I, I don't like giving away the reveals. I'm trying not to do too spoilery. You
0: spoiler. want to <laughs> a Dr. Dolittle?
1: The Dr. Dolittle joke. Holy <laughs> shit. That was a good that joke.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was my...
1: It's not really... It's not much of a great reveal because a lot of sites have been talking about where Strange is. He basically, since he's no longer the Sorcerer Supreme, he's basically, quote-unquote, retired to be a veterinarian. He's not even being a a human doctor. But he still has magic, so, like, he could talk
2: to animals. Right, he still is a sorcerer. Yeah. He just doesn't have any sour cream and tomatoes, you know? He's not the Sorcerer Supreme anymore.
0: That's extra guac, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) He has no guacamole. And he
1: let his beard grow up, but he shaved his hair. Yeah,
0: I, was con- I don't know. I was confused by that. It didn't look like him at first at all.
1: I think that's the point. Yeah, weird. Ratings? There are ratings. And since this is my book, <laughs> I get to pick my rating. I'm going to give it for My Name is Loki Luffison, God of Lies, Mischief, and Stories. And I'm the fucking Sorcerer Supreme.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Christina. I don't want to steal your.
0: I don't think you're going to. I don't know if you'd get mine. How do you know? Probably not.
2: There's no swearing in mine.
0: No i don't i don't have a swearing one i just i liked this this one text line i'm gonna give it like three and three quarters i don't know i went to that bar and it all got weird <laughs> i love that
2: line <laughs> ripped from the pages of true life <laughs>
0: seriously it's all
2: got weird <laughs> i will give it four and a half how about normal uh, Blah. Four and a half, how about no more rules? How about no more price?
0: All right, sticking in the Marvel Universe.
2: Yep, exploring the idea of the price that has to be paid, we're going to go over to Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 297 from Marvel Comics. Most Wanted Part 1, Find a Way. Written by Chip Zdarsky, Pistol Sneaks by Adam Kubert and Juan Fragaria. Colors by Jason Keith. So Peter Parker's trapped in his apartment and being hunted by the police in a claustrophobic issue that balances the dual lives of Spider Man and Peter Parker. Deprived of his spider senses for mysterious reasons. Without his web shooters, Peter is caught in an ever tightening web by the police in a game of well, cat and mouse isn't exactly right, so spider <laughs> and fly. That works. Moving yeah, moving from room to room in scenes that really reminded me of the professional when they call in all the cops to assault the building. That's kind of the vibe I got from it. Real claustrophobic as Peter's beginning to fight his way basically from room to room and keeps running into cops because he doesn't have his spider sense to warn him about things. But then he starts to think in three dimensions and he starts punching his way down, not just across. So he punches his way down through all of the apartments down into the basement where he has an old costume, which is one of his black suits with like the red uh, hands on it. And he's got some web shooters in there that he's stored up. And then J. Jonah Jameson, who now knows that Peter Parker and Spider-Man are the same person, team up to rescue the one person they both care most about, Aunt May. But this one isn't a problem that a spider can solve, and it falls to Peter to act responsibly and surrender to the police to save Aunt May. So this one I had a couple thoughts on. My first thought was that I couldn't tell that Chip Zdarsky was the writer for this. Yeah? I think it lacks... And I've said this before when we read his run on Spider-Man. You would think Spider-Man and Chip Zdarsky would be a perfect fit. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I don't feel like he's free to do what he wants or he's being held back by something. I don't know what that is, but...
0: It's not as funny as a quippy as we know that Chip is.
2: No, at not all. Which is
1: annoying because it's fucking Spider-Man. I know, that's
0: yes. why I feel like he's trying to be reserved. And maybe he's doing it intentionally because he's like, oh, I can't be that guy. Right, maybe, but,
2: I think maybe he feels like he's on too big of a stage to do that.
0: yeah. I do love the punching through it when he, like Peter is talking it out in his head. He's like, I, I can't avoid these all guys by punching my way through. Oh, wait.
2: <laughs> and punches straight through. I like this one because when you take away his web shooters and his spider sense, you kind of have to have more of actually Peter solving mm-hmm. these problems that you get to see his intellect working on these problems. And I liked that. I also like that as he's fighting his way down, he's several things he's trying to do. He's trying not to reveal... That he is Spider Man, and he's also trying to save cops when they start getting like knocked down staircases and things like that. Like he still is trying to not hurt anyone and keep his secrets. So there's a lot going on in here. I thought the part that you mentioned where he punches down through the building, I thought that was really cool. That was cool. I just wish Chip would be Chip. Yeah. In these books, what do you think of it, Matt?
1: I thought it was a competent book. Uh, <laughs> like I've said before, I'm about the mind of. Spider-Man as to where Carissa and Christina are with Superman. I acknowledge that he is a character that has a long history and people love him, but I've never really cared that much about Spider-Man. I don't know why I should. I used to love Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I
0: love Spider-Man. It's just, Spider-Man just fucking
1: bores me like Superman I bores you. I think it's you.
0: because it's one of those things. And this is similar to Superman. It's been so, done so many times. Like it, it's like, you feel inundated with the same character over and over and over again.
2: You feel like you've read this 296 exactly. times before. Exactly.
0: It's not new yes. anymore. So it's, I think that's, it's hard to want to open yourself up to this. You're like, It's just going to be the same shit again. That's I I can totally see that.
1: That's pretty much it. It's just like, all right, Spider-Man. Oh, look, they took away his ability. And oh, God, he's got to hide that he's Peter Parker and punch through a fucking floor. And okay, cool.
2: That's kind of the challenge with legacy, right? Mm -hmm. Is you want to remind people of the classic notes, you know, and storylines that they like. But you want to do it in a kind of new and interesting way. Yeah. So there's a tightrope that you have to walk there, and I don't know if this one succeeds or not.
0: I was going to say, this issue out of this run is kind of right in the middle of all of... It's not It's not great, it's just okay. Yeah, that's
1: how oh, I felt yeah. too. This is another one of those. Yeah, that's great, you want me to do a legacy book. I don't fucking care, I'm keeping my story.
2: <laughs> yeah, because this really plays off of the previous reveal... Where he revealed his identity to J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah.
1: yeah. This It feels kind of legacy-ish in the way it's written. The problem is it reminds me of the late 80s, early 90s Spider-Man books. And that's when I stopped reading Spider-Man. <laughs> I just got really fucking bored to tears with it. Right before the fucking Clone Saga. Oh,
2: You're like, ugh. Oh. Still haunted by the Clone <laughs> Saga to this day. Alright, I'm gonna give this three... This is insane. Without my spider sense, I don't know where to go.
0: What's happening? I'm going to give it three and a quarter. I'm turning myself in.
1: I'll give it three. I have no problem beating it out of you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There are lots of good Spider-Man sound effects in here. Yeah, Actually, it was (laughs) flam. So we like cool comics related stuff. And here's something we think you might like. So I'm not going to recommend a book this time to you. There's... That
0: shirt is why i like it do
2: they have other stuff in that line oh
0: yeah as well? They have well yeah
1: i do what i want
2: sure
0: yeah they do they have blazers jackets
2: okay so let's let me let me we'll chime in there with that stuff in a second so i'm going to recommend that you go check out heruniverse.com. there is a whole product line of marvel stuff including a pretty cool loki shirt i think it's hard for women to find cool geek related stuff that is actually kind of cool and i Christina you were showing me some of this stuff and it looks it looks kind of neat. I think there are a lot of people who would like this because it's not so in your face comic booky. Like it's not a female version of the dude t-shirt. You know, it's it's a little different.
0: They have some little dr- and, they have some dressier stuff. Like they have a blazer, a velvet blazer, a dress. Like you can actually kind of secretly show your your love for Marvel and still be fancy. Or you could get the shirt that I like where it's Looking, and it says, I do what I want.
2: <laughs> well, what I like about them is that they're, if someone knows the comic book related stuff, they'll know what it is. Oh, yeah. But if they don't, it still stands on its own as a kind of cool shirt. So it's
0: got a nice, subtle.
2: And I think this is something you're not going to be able to find in a store. So if you want to, guys, I'm assuming about 80% of the people listening are men because that's just the way comics work. Right. If you want to get your girlfriend something, go check this out because you're not going to find it in a store and she's probably going to like having something like this. I think you're going to be able to find something that is quality and unique. And for the
1: ladies.
0: Yes, especially since the girls the girls love the Loki.
2: So check out heruniverse.com and all the Marvel and comic-related stuff they have there. I think you'll find something they will
0: like. So we have Jenny Finn, number one, Dark Horse Comics, written by Mike Mignola and Troy Nixie. Pencils and Inks by Troy Nixie, and Colors by St- Dave Stewart. Uh, so when I saw this book, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's like a Penny Dreffel story, which is, you know, like a old English... what is was it? Like, it was a ten-pence God, model. I need some like, old English you know... to get
2: through this thing. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of excited about this one. I... Didn't really enjoy it, but <laughs> it's a Dickensian looking horror. <laughs> it's well. Oh, here, here's the thing. It looks so like a it's, dick. you know, dirty old England and dirty whores is basically what you're going to see a lot. And of. Dirty
1: homeless
2: people. It looks so and dirty homeless ugly. People.
0: It everyone and you know what? I'm sure that is super intentional. That everyone is so horribly ugly and drawn in a certain way. Um, well, it's not. So basically, you can
2: have well drawn ugly people. These faces uh, are just distorted, and they don't look right. Like, there is a certain Dark Horse style that you kind of yes. have to go with, but this is, like, bad Dark Horse art.
1: I think it's, like, the worst BPRD artist you've ever seen.
0: That's it. <laughs> yep. That's
1: I think what it is. I think this, this here, felt, it says it's written by Mignola and Nixie. I think it's yeah. written by Nixie, with Mignola going, all right, that's okay, I guess. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's fine. Yeah. This is fine. This is fine. The be- What's funny is the people are drawn horribly. The best things that are drawn are the fish things. So leading up to the fish things, uh, there is a overwhelming story back here about, like, there's some people are, whores are disappearing. They're gone. They don't, you know, they said, like, some so many have died. It's a story of this girl who is Jenny, who... They, I guess she's a whore. I don't know. She's a kid. She looks. She's maybe a whore. That's the thing that
2: people are drawn so poorly. I cannot get a sense of perspective on anyone. Like, is Jenny a child? Is she a little person? Is she? I I can't tell what is going on with her. She may
0: be a little person. She comes
2: up to the one dude's hip.
0: Yeah, she's got to be a little person.
2: Maybe, right? but she acts childlike in some ways. But she's also probably a prostitute, and I just yeah. Oh my god, this book's it's, horrible. it's
1: so confusing. So have all the like the curse from the black or not the black pearl, but from uh, Davy Jones yes. meets like the footnotes from hell. And by from yes. hell I mean Alan Moore's from Hell. Because yes. it's obvious they're trying to do Jack the Ripper here, but it's like forty years before Jack the Ripper.
0: It's like Jack the Ripper with like Cthulhu shit. It would be better if it had Cthulhu with it. I know. Well, it's a four-part series, so maybe we'll get to see Cthulhu at the oh, end. God, I can guarantee you, I'm not going to read the other three parts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's like, I can
1: guarantee it No. Nope.
0: Uh, my favorite part of this, which is, it was hard to find one, is the fish. Did you see the jumping fish that said Doom? That was oh, my favorite there's part. There's several of them. Yep, that was my the favorite part. In the fish video Doom Doom Doom, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, that was my favorite part. This
1: better not be a prequel for Abe Sapien. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this also
2: the dialogue is written so poorly like they're trying to do the accent but i don't think the person knows how to do the accent it just it gets in the way oh
0: it's the they can't do very well
1: and everybody has
0: huge fucking noses it's very weird and i i'm i'm it's i'm sure it's the look that they're going for i i don't like it nope i can't recommend this book Unless you want to see the jumping fish, because that part was fucking hilarious.
2: <laughs> All right, let's let's rate it up and get the <laughs> hell out of this cursed town.
0: So,
1: God, finding a quote.
0: I don't even. Oh, I already have mine. I don't even know what I'm going to rate it though. I guess I'm going to give it one doom fish.
2: I will give it one and a half. What'll it be then, lad? Shall I teach you a lesson?
0: What was it with the titty? The random one titty. Did anyone else catch that?
2: I wasn't on titty patrol. I didn't, uh...
0: There was, like, one titty. You see one titty. One nipple. One nip slip.
2: Everything looks so horrible But everyone yeah,
0: else was covered. You wouldn't even know it was a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Matt?
1: I'm trying to find something... No. ...decent to say. <laughs> Don't even try. Uh... Just... <laughs> uh, <laughs> so bad. Um, there's nothing witty at all to say about this fucking book. No,
0: but you have to say it with a horrible Cockney accent. Oh, God.
1: Uh, uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, here we go. I will give it uh,
0: .75. We'll see he gets what for. Cut up our women's, will you? All right, Matt, Matt gets two stars. <laughs> <You> get what? <laughs> <laughs> you get what?
2: You're too sharp. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Yep. Better than the book, definitely. <laughs> All right, let's go over to a battle.
1: All right, uh, we're going over to The Mighty Thor, number 701, Marvel Comics, The Death of the Mighty Thor, part two, Wrath of the Mangog, written by Jason Aaron, pencils and inks by James Herron, colors by Dave Stewart. Ooh, let's get ready to rumble! Please don't sue us. <laughs> <laughs> we pick up from the end of thor 700 with a knockdown drag out fight between Mangog, the rage of a billion billion souls and war thor the thunder from down under the universal stack the two of them <laughs> trade brutal blows through the ruins of old asgard as the two titans of destruction battle each other this sunday 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 <sighs> because we're recording on sunday <laughs> World-shaking attacks rack the firmament as they rip up the ancient streets as the home of the gods. Mangog is out for blood and Warthor is happy to oblige in battle. While this is going down, we peek in on the fate of Carnilla, who is finally reunited with Baldur, only to be attacked by Cinder, the daughter of Surtur, at the schemes of the lamest MCU villain, but not too bad for an actual MU villain, Malekith <laughs> the Accursed, who is how... <laughs> <laughs> they do Loki in the movies is how they do Malekith in the comics. It's stupid. What did you guys think?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, he's been able to lead a war throughout all the the realms, you know. Yeah, he's that's the thing. He's crafty
1: and not shit in this. And they had fucking Christopher Eccleston ruined.
2: This him. You you were right to do the pro wrestling introduction for this because yeah. this is a long ass badass fight.
0: There's like several pages of punching and kicking. It just hurts to read it. I'm just like, ow, ow. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah.
2: This is a <laughs> battle of fury, and each one of them has essentially, like you said, Mangog has like a billion billion souls, and the War Thor has the power of the entire. The 1610. Yeah. So it's a real drag out fight. And it's really brutal, too. Like at the end, where the Warthor is kind of hanging off the side, and like Mangog is standing, like crushing his fingers while he's talking to Malekith. That's pretty cool. And it mixes, like, that's what I like about it, is it mixes essentially like 20 something pages of furious, teeth spitting battle with a couple pages of Malaketh, And then there's A lot of dialogue that goes on in that fight, too. So I think Jason Aaron balances all those things really well.
1: There's this scene where Mangog literally crushes, and just in case anybody was thinking that Thor would end up with a 1610 hammer, ain't gonna fucking happen. Because (laughs) Mangog crushes the hammer on Warthor's hand. Like, you just, the whole lower arm is just enwrapped in Mangog's fists as he crushes the fist. In, or the the hammer, into the fist. You just see it all fall down, and you just see this broken Warthor on the ground.
2: I love, too, the detail of once the hammer is destroyed, he starts, like, inflating like a balloon and turning back into uh, Volstagg. Volstag? Yeah. I really like that detail.
1: It's just so, oh, my God. It's just bloody. Brutal.
0: It's like every, every it's like all the dirty fighting, because I like the spit take, the spit one. He spits on him, yep. too. This, you know That was pretty
1: funny. Uh, he cramp, literally, Warthor, in in this fight, he jams the hammer and unleashes the lightning of a, <laughs> of a universe inside Mangog. And Mangog just bloats up with it.
2: <laughs> he eats it. I like what Jason Aaron did with showing how Mangog and Malekith both fight the Warthor. So you get kind of, like, insights into their character, because... Mangog is just pure rage and power and, you know, crushing bones, like you were saying, and pure physical force. And Malekith just kind of leans over him with a dagger that he's holding in the air and drops into his hand. So you have that kind of stealth and precision and malice. I really like that contrast between the two of them. I thought that was a good way to show their characters without telling you their characters.
1: Yeah, Malekith the Drow. Yes. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) He literally is a Drow, too.
2: Yeah, he's a dark elf, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one was good.
1: It was, I mean, if you're, just if you like, feeling like, you know, I really need to see a good fight, fuck wrestling or whatever else, just read this book this week. It was a good fight. Such a good fight.
2: Yeah, this was good. This one hurt All to right. read. Made my balls and teeth hurt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you felt it in your balls. Jesus. <laughs> uh, I like the Berserker squad deployed because I'm thinking of... Berserker! Like that. Oh, the
1: Roxxon Berserkers? I'm still yeah. trying to figure out how the fucking, how Roxon got to yeah. Vanaheim.
2: <laughs> I'm like, I saw, I was, like haven't I you been reading so little, the thought... war that's been going on?
1: No. No, oh. I picked back up for this so, run. Yeah. I haven't been reading full.
2: Malakath has been gathering everybody, including Roxon, and they're invading the, how was it, the Realm of the Old Gods? I can't remember which realm that is. Yes.
1: Well, okay, so Vanaheim is not the Realm of the Old Gods, but
2: because it's like this pristine, untouched wilderness. They're like logging it and drilling for oil and coal and like they're just st- strip mining these, these realms for profit.
0: Because they're assholes.
1: Because they're rocks on. Yep. And that's what they do. <laughs>
2: so let's rate it.
1: All righty. I am going to give it for where? Big golden city floating near Saturn. You can't miss it. And you are not a god. That's not your concern. Then don't get in my way. Oh, I wouldn't dream of it.
0: Help! I'm going to give it a four, hugs in hell. I love that line.
2: I will give it four, hello, Warthor, I'm the war you've been looking for. Quite so. Another battle in Batman number 35 from DC Comics, The Rules of Engagement Part 3, Duel with the Demon's Daughter, written by Tom King, Pencils and Inks by Joelle Jones, colors by Jordi Belair. So, in Batman's 800th issue, Take That Legacy, we witness a duel between Catwoman and Talia al Ghul, which as much about dialogue as it is about swordplay. Tom King always frames his stories in an interesting way. Here he frames the fight with two contrasts between Talia and Selina. The first being the person given every advantage and training by their parents, and the other having been given nothing and had to earn and take everything they have. The second contrast is in the review of the Bat. Talia sees him as the perfect man, and Selina sees him as a deeply flawed and broken man. We also get insightful conversations from Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne about how unhappy Bruce is and how hard it is for him to ask for anything. Selina takes Talia down, duplicating the blade-between-the-shoulder trick we saw Talia use, but it's only temporary as Talia pulls the blade out and crawls over to Bruce, where we get a conversation between them, where she states that she likes this one and essentially gives her a blessing. Catwoman confronts the woman they came to find and tells her she won't force her to do anything, but Holly agrees to go with her, so Selena can have a chance at the most elusive and precious thing in the bat mythos, happiness. I liked this one a lot. I like when there's a fight going on and these conversations are like as probing and damaging as these sword thrusts that are going on. I liked that a lot. I liked the conversation between Damian Wayne and Dick Grayson. I like that they have that Batman-Robin relationship, but they also both are Robins. And they can relate back to Bruce. I thought that their conversations were really good about it. Like initially you see Damien throwing up a lot of defenses and then Dick explaining why Bruce is kind of the way he is. I liked that a lot. So I liked all the writing. The thing I don't really like is that Catwoman lasted for more than about three seconds with Talia. I really don't think she is the equal to her. And I don't buy that her having to scrape and fight for everything makes her Talia's equal. I do get the sense though that Talia is just playing with her in this and kind of testing out the person she is, that it's not a real battle for her. There's also some creepy-ass parts where she talks about how her father would kill her and throw her in the Lazarus pits. I thought that was deeply disturbing. What would you guys think about this one? I really liked
1: it. I thought it was fun. I like the story. To Selena's credit, she has actually, you know, been an international character. So she's traveled the world and she has battled. I still don't think, I, I do agree with you, I don't, I don't think she's... Talia's equal, and I think Talia was just doing this as a formality, more to see how Selena is and see Selena's intentions more than to actually have her best her, because that's just not something that would happen but Catwoman's not just some chick with a whip from the city so she's a little better than that, just for her defense oh, but I'm not saying it. she's
2: not cool, she's just she ain't no Talia al cool, I'll tell you that much <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, she's she's no Talia. But then Al-Ghul.
2: again, even Batman is no Talia Al Ghul, so you know it's a high bar.
1: Yeah, this is true. Well, yeah. So I, I I really liked it. It's classic Tom King. I'm going to be sad when he Me moves too. on. Me too. That
0: was why I liked it because it was Tom King's writing. He's good. He writes really. He's really really good. Yeah, I I enjoyed this one too. Um, obviously I have not been keeping up to date with these, but this one was fun. This was a good one one off for me. I mean, I fully understood what was going on. Yeah, I Talia would probably clean the floor with her. I bet she was just kind of playing with her and testing her out. Yeah,
2: I like that Selina was able to pick up on the trick that she used where she stabs that blade between the shoulder blades and I'm not sure if she fucked it up a little bit or Talia is just tough enough to be able to reach up and take the blade out because neither, because Batman wasn't able to do that, you know, but I like that, uh, that little scene so I thought that was good. Good showing of character rather than telling. I really like when stories do that. It's, way more effective to show us about characters than tell us about characters. And I think this does that pretty well. So I liked I like this one a lot, but I'm gonna have to take out take off a star for Catwoman is not that good. I mean don't get me wrong, she's not bad, but I don't like the drawn out fight between her and Talia's. But I will give it three and a half are you happy?
0: I feel like she was drawing out the fight to get her to talk. I, I can see that, so too. I feel like she was almost playing her in a way. Because she's smart. She's going to try to get as much information out of her to make sure she's w- almost worthy, I guess. She is
1: going to be her kid's stepmom. So she has some, <laughs>
0: smarticles. <laughs> some smarticles. All right, I'm going to give it a three and a half meow.
1: I'm going to give it three and a half. Did you actually just say that? Like, out loud say it? He's Batman. I'm Robin. Those were words that were in your mind and exited your mouth (laughs)
0: seriously that was was so i love that that was good i enjoyed that part a lot all right we're doing this okay now (laughs) now for pull pass or complain about it on the internet we've got the punisher 218 Marvel comics punisher war machine part one written by matthew rosenberg pencils inks by oh what in god's name is it gyu gyu villanova colors by lee lowridge skimmed through this it did not hold my interest.
2: So you're going to pass it? I'm going to pass it. I also will pass it? I also will pass it. I just don't uh, do a
0: shit. So what do we got next? We got more Marvel Comics. Uh, champions number 14. Marvel Comics World's Collide part four, written by Mark Wade, Pencils by Umbertos Ramos. Inks by Victor Olazaba. I hope that's it. Colors by Edgar Delgado. I also skimmed it. I'm not feeling the champions thing. I'm passing.
2: I will pull this one.
1: I will pass. I don't give a shit about worlds collide.
0: <laughs> Rasputin, the voice of the dragon, number one, Dark Horse Comics, written by Mike Mignola and Chris Robertson, pencils and inks by Christopher Mitten, colors by Dave Stewart. I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was decent. I Rasputin is a cool character. I really love the old Rasputin comic, which had nothing to do with this. But I I would pull it.
2: I also would pull it. It was good. At Dark Horse. I also
1: will pull it. It's a good prequel to BPRD.
0: Yep. Dark Fang number one, Image Comics, Earth Calling, part one, written by Miles Gunter, art by Kelsey Shannon. I, I, I'm iffy on this one. There were some parts of it that I thought were kind of cute and funny. The artwork kind of was painful for me, so I'm, I'm in the middle. You got
2: honestly. three three options. I played the fifth. You, <laughs> do you
1: want it to read it? Do you don't care or do you want to kvetch about it? Sounds like you don't. It sounds care. like you pass. <laughs> like you're like if somebody puts it in front of me, I I'll don't read
0: care. It. I kind of pass, but it was it was kind of. Were, so that's pass. Yeah, that's kind of how that's kind of how it was for me.
2: I also will pass on this. If someone, like you said, if someone put it in front of me, I'd probably read it. Uh, I feel the need to enthusiastically shout "pull" for Carissa because I'm sure yeah. she <laughs> would love this.
0: Yes. It, it, there were parts of it that I kind of liked, but there were also parts of it that were like, eh, it's kind of yeah. cheesy.
1: I, I'm going to pass it myself. I'm just like, I, I don't care about this book at all.
0: I feel yes. like if I was a teenage girl, I'd probably enjoy this. Really? Let's put it that way. Ah. Yeah.
1: I would have thought a teenage girl would be angry about this
0: book.
2: No, I think they would blast
0: their girl power music. and. No, I think they would be enjoying you know. it. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Brilliant Trash Number 1, Aftershock Comics. Icarus Burn, written by Tim Seeley. Pencils and inks by Priscilla petriates colors by marco lesko hard pass i'm not gonna say anything about it hard pass
2: i couldn't finish this so i don't have enough information to complain on the internet but it was a piece of shit
0: i (laughs) opened the preview and went nope moving on i got about halfway through it and (laughs) it was incomprehensible i had no idea what the fuck was going on it was Mm -hmm. you know what it was as his title
1: um, I'm somewhere between past complaining about it on the internet. It really felt like in the 90s when every comic company was trying to have their superhero universe. (laughs) But
2: I have no idea what the fuck
1: they're doing. This is probably how Ryan feels about (laughs) Valiant. Mm -hmm.
2: Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. All right, so... We got some stuff coming up next week. We got the Doomsday Clock number one, which people are doing. I think some people are doing like midnight crazy releases and stuff for this. So that's kind of cool. I heard. Community Challenge number 11. Go ahead and shoot me in the face. Uh, Imaginary (laughs) Friends. (laughs) I also want to be shot Uh. in the face. (laughs) Imaginary Friends number one. Uh, The Demon. Hell's Earth number one. To our listeners, be
1: forewarned. We may be rhyming with our review of
2: that
0: Oh, line. we absolutely will.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. All, like, so... th- what was it, Thursday? Yes. Wednesday? <laughs> there yes. were probably a hundred <laughs> comments back phone. and forth where we were rhyming, you talking about the demon. blew up
0: my phone. My uh. phone died that day. <laughs> died.
2: Arise. <laughs> All right. Then we also have some more stuff.
0: <laughs> All right. So for next week, our pull pass complaint is Void Trip number one. I don't know what the fuck that is, but awesome. Whatever. So that was a world of comics for this week. You can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans, including our other podcast on original steaming media. Got the cord at fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're on iTunes and Google Play Music. On Stitcher. On SoundCloud.
2: And on Podcast Addict.
0: Be sure to rate.
2: Review. And subscribe.
0: Be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds.